Hey there, Ruby Jones here, the host of 7am. Welcome to The Weekend Read, a podcast where contributors to Schwartz Media's magazine, The Monthly, read their long-form essays. Today on the show, Helen Garner, one of Australia's most acclaimed authors, will be reading her piece from the latest issue. It features entries from her diaries, covering her experience during this year's lockdown in Melbourne. To hear more Weekend Reads, you can subscribe to The Weekend Read in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, Helen, you're here to read out parts of your diary that you have been writing over the last few months. Um, I just wonder if you could tell me a bit about what that process has been like for you, sitting down to write, whether that's a a daily thing and whether lockdown has changed the way that you approach keeping a diary? Uh, No, it hasn't really, because I've been keeping a diary now for longer than I can remember most of my life. But I I have felt during lockdown that... uh, I felt the sort of life or sanity-saving aspects of keeping a diary have become clearer to me. When the the editor asked me if I had some diary stuff last year, I said, oh, I don't think I've said anything about the um, lockdown or or COVID, but I'll go back and have a look. And I went back and had a look, and, of course, it was full of it. And it made me realise how deeply into the fabric of domestic life it has sunk and everybody's fear and anxiety means that uh, it, it changes, sort of changes the tone of the diary in a way and things that um, would I once would have passed off with a joke have suddenly got a, a sort of depth of meaning to them that give me a fright. Like the first thing where, where my 17-year-old grandson makes a very um, ironical remark about the meaning of life and normally I would have gone, ha, 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 how amusing. But when he said that, it just struck a kind of a gong of um, fear, I suppose. Yeah, mm. there's a kind of current of fear running through everything and a slightly manic quality as well, especially mm. about the football. And when you say the, the sanity-saving aspect of keeping a diary, what do you mean by that? Is it the process of writing? Is that what uh, helps? Yeah, it's just that... Well, keeping a diary for me is part of my daily life and I can't imagine life without it because, not because I'm trying to save things from oblivion, but because I just so enjoy and need the feeling of pushing a pen across paper, basically. I have to do that for a couple of hours every day or else I'll go screaming around the twist, to put it bluntly. Yeah. Um, And so you're obviously a demon supporter, is that right? (laughs) Absolutely not. I'm a Western Bulldogs supporter and totally rusted on. And I, I, I just, I've got this secret longing to send this article to the Western Bulldogs. And I think, oh, they won't give a shit about what this old duck in Flemington thinks. But um, I just, I would love them to know the meaning of football. The meaning of football, that's probably one of the main things that's, that I've learnt during the lockdown is the deep value of football. And it's it's kind of archetypal features become very clear to me, partly because of having read uh, Virgil and Homer and, and, you know, sort of warrior stories like that. Uh, it, it's You watch the football and you can see that stuff playing itself out in a different arena. I mean, they're not actually killing each other, but it's symbolically uh, the same. And I found it incredibly sort of moving and meaningful 
uh, over these two years. And I, I'm terribly grateful to the AFL for somehow managing to keep it going. Well, thank you for coming in and I'm looking forward to hearing. At dinner, we talked about dreaming. Just at the moment in a dream, when you're about to grasp the meaning of life, I said, you wake up and boom, it's gone. Maybe, said the 17-year-old, in a low, ironical tone, the cynicism of waking up is the meaning of life. New cases in the northern suburbs. The guy who runs the cafe said we'd be locked down again by the weekend. He was right. It starts in an hour. I heard a man on the radio say that the Delta variant is a thousand times more infectious than the original one. A thousand? Why aren't we all already dead? Masks again indoors. Gatherings limited. Boy, are we sick of this. And yet domestic life lurches on. We are citizens. We are determined not to whinge. If it weren't for the chooks and my duty to them, I would lose all sense of the passing of time. I wouldn't even notice sunset or dawn. What would we do without footy? The love of it opens up our cramped pandemic world into a higher one of heroism and beauty and nobility and grace. Since the waves of lockdown have rolled over us, our family loyalty to the Western Bulldogs has become an unabashed obsession. Are we projecting it? Or can we really see the affection flash and flow between them on the field? Are they really the handsomest and least violent, the most skilled and the least up-itself team in the AFL, with the most flattering coloured jumper? Workers in aged care are still not routinely vaccinated. They can only get their jab at work if there's some left over. They have to make their own arrangements. Jesus wept. My physical life has shrunk in these repeated lockdowns. I crouch in my house and bit by bit forget the landscape around it. I'm becoming a troglodyte, fearful, lazy and dull, like my old German neighbours on the evening years ago when I suggested we drive home from the local Indian restaurant by way of the river. There is a river here? They'd lived barely a mile east of it for 50 years. I drag myself out at sunrise for the permitted hour of exercise. I sorely miss our healer, buried now under the crepe myrtle near the chook pen. The Maribyrnong River today was a mill pond. I could follow a waterbird's progress under the surface by the chain of tiny bubbles it emitted as it swam. Very cold and clear. I never took my gloves off. I made myself walk fast. Whenever someone approached, I pulled my mask up, but for long stretches I was alone. The rush of cold air when you drop your mask, it scours out your stupid brain. I sang to myself, old stuff like Rock the Casbah. I think I talked out loud too, but nobody would know. They've all got buds in their ears. Whole days in lockdown failed to register on my memory. What did I do? What used up the time? Oldness seems to be creeping up on me in longer than usual steps. It takes me all day to finish the quick crossword. I have to walk around the house for five hours till the word tabernacle floats up from the murk. 
Janet Malcolm has died. I learnt so much from her, I can hardly count the ways. Drove to Kensington as night fell to pick up the 14-year-old from footy training. Waited in a row behind the goalposts with the other masked adults. In the black sky above the shouting, panting boys, a cold, full moon was rising. I was dopey all day, sweating, a bit of a cough. I masked up and drove to the showgrounds for a test. A vast marquee or circus tent. The light in there was pale and calm, hardly even a cue. The woman in her PPE and apron looked at my date of birth, then at me, then back at her iPad, then with a frown threw me a challenging question. How old are you? 78. You don't look it. Ha ha, I said, whisking off my mask. Look at the rest of my face. She laughed, twirled her swabs down my throat and up my nostrils, and sent me on my way. I love this unshowy Australian efficiency, this kindness to strangers. I drove home, proudly reciting, I love a sunburnt country. Now to isolate for 24 hours. What could be more delightful than to lie on my bed all day, virtuously reading a Hungarian novel? The test was negative. On TV, I saw the collapsed apartment block in Miami demolished by explosives. It crumpled like paper and went down in thick clouds of grey-white dust. Horribly thrilling. Everyone must think so. I wanted to watch it again and again, and the channel obliged, showing it from three different angles in shocking clarity. Half of COVID-19's second year has passed. Today I get my second AstraZeneca shot. The woman who developed that vaccine got a standing ovation at Wimbledon, for God's sake. Like pretty much everything these days, especially crowds behaving decently, it made me cry. To dinner in North Carlton. The hosts, two musicians, talked about the way live music is changing. Duos, trios, smaller, quieter bands, more melodious, not for dancing, but for spaces where people want to talk to each other, and musicians find it relaxing to be ignored. They say they don't want to play aggressively anymore. The trumpeter has switched to valve trombone, the saxophonist to the flute. They also told me about the sorts of house renovations that are being conducted in their suburb, involving colossal excavations that make the whole neighbourhood tremble. One is reputed to be on four levels, the bottom one, an indoor soccer field, the next one up a swimming pool with a glass floor, so you can watch the football while you swim. On my way home, I wondered if they'd been pulling my leg. You can get out of touch, living west of the freeway. Some insect or creature has nipped off at ground level my 12 new broad bean shoots. Came out this morning and they'd vanished. The helpless rage of the gardener. Is it possums? Is it snails? How can I murder them? I picked up the eggs from the laying box and put them carefully into the pockets of my old brown coat. By the time I'd reached the back door, one of them had smashed. I chucked the messy handful back into the chicken run and they fell upon it. A weekend at Point Lonsdale with four women friends. We sat quietly knitting and stitching together, making a rug. After dinner... A loud argument broke out between two of them. 
They went for each other as only old friends dare, shouting, doors slamming. Two of us pretended to be going to the toilet and sneaked away to our room. We lay side by side in our little twin beds. My friend said in a timid voice, I feel as if I've done something wrong. Me too. I was awake half the night. We crept out in the morning and found that one of the fighters had served the other a cup of tea in bed and all was well. One by one at breakfast, each of us, even the onlookers, confessed that she felt herself responsible for the mysterious fight. It was me. No, it was my fault. It was nobody's fault. It was a pandemic explosion. We have forgotten how to be with people other than our families. We're socially out of practice, irritable in company, full of unspoken dread about the future. The 14-year-old's footy team got thrashed and copped such a blast from their coach that they emerged from the change room shaking and holding back tears. Apparently he called them bastards and tore strips off them. After training tonight, our boy reported that the coach had taken him aside and told him that the insulting things he'd said to the players were not about them personally, but about the way they'd played. He praised the boy's character, but told him he must learn to handball off the ground. My house is full of dust, great skeins of fluff under the bed. I shrug and walk away. As for ironing, which I've always loved, I can't be bothered. My friend in France tells me that Fabulon, over there, lacks some essential ingredient. It doesn't starch in the same way. It just puffs out a watery fragrance. This seems an outrage for ten seconds. A young plumber came at last to fix my heating. He was jubilant. He and his wife had just had their first child. I can't believe, he said, writing out my invoice, how I can be so much in love with this little thing that's only six weeks old. People come over to see us, they walk towards her, and my wife and I rush across the room shouting, Don't touch the baby! He mimicked their stampede with bulging eyes and outstretched arms. He was lit up with pride, eager to rejoice with any stranger. I flatter myself that I'm patient in lockdown, but like everyone, I'm on a hair trigger. In his news piece about that mouthy British slag, Katie Hopkins, who was turfed out of the country, the age journalist wrote flaunted instead of flouted. I rapped out an insulting email. Don't you know about dictionaries? That fuckwit Hopkins may even be educated enough to sneer at your mistake. I hit send, reread it, and saw with mortification that the educated slag who sneered at his mistake was me. The message bounced back. I had got the address wrong. There is a God. I cheated in the crossword. I looked up clues in my shorter Oxford, a heavy old book I keep on the kitchen table because I love its examples from literature. Mend. As they were in the ship, mending their nets. Mark 119. She would come and mend all that was miss. Chaucer. I follow the trail to miss, miss, amiss. What is amiss? You are and do not know it. Shakespeare, Macbeth. Last night my grandson shone his torch on one of the chooks in the dark corner of the run where she was crouched. Her feathers were a dusty pale gold. 
Come on, my lady, he said, and shifted her into the roosting box. Tonight I felt evening coming on and went out to shut them in. There she lay in a melodramatic death pose, her head hanging out the door of the laying box as if to say, I died in the line of duty. Her face no longer looked like a face. How slender and frail a chicken is when you pick her up. Feathers and beaks are all bluff. The boy's father dug a hole and tipped her in. Any last words? God bless you, girlfriend. You worked hard. The guys went inside. In the twilight, I scooped up handfuls of star-shaped, half-rotted red leaves and sprinkled them over her grave. The 14-year-old and his father argued to shouting point about whether the Western Bulldog's Cody Waitman had shaved the sides of his thick blonde hair above the ears. The boy insisted that he had. We yelled at him. He has not. Cody wouldn't do that. He sat there smiling smugly. A few minutes later, Waitman dashed past the camera, clearly visible in profile, and we saw that the boy was right. I tried to make excuses. It's probably so his hair won't blow in his eyes. Or maybe he's got a girlfriend who loves grooming him, and it was her idea. But the father stood up from the couch and said, man to man in the famous bulldog spirit of decency, you were right, son, and I was wrong. I apologise. On the news, an ICU bed with a human figure on it. All I could see through the pale fabric that the body was wrapped in was the movement of its shallow gasping. A companionable afternoon with a bunch of non-fiction writers, each of us mid-project. How can we keep going? We sat in a warm kitchen, eating scones with jam and cream, and confessed our fear, self-sabotage, despair. I pedalled home in sunshine, and while I barrowed chicken shit to the compost, I noticed how light my mood was, as if it had been low so long that I'd forgotten what light spirits are. The afternoon drained and cooled. I worked on, filthy gloved in filthy overalls, and when I was almost done, I looked up and saw, high above the yard in a pure sky, what must have been the evening star. Football on TV, a match before empty stands. In that solemn silence, you can hear the players shouting to each other, the deep, satisfying thud of boot into ball. It's a purer version of the game, and we watch it wrapped, as if all the troubles in the world were being boiled down and redeemed by these complex patterns, these arcane rules and classic postures of dejection and triumph. A good, clean running game of footy, say the earnest commentators at half-time. They've got to steal themselves in front of the big sticks. A long-retired player in a tight suit praises a mud-smeared, laughing young warrior for his splendid debut. Thank you for the joy you gave us. Virgil and Homer would recognise these hulking, airborne men. Not just their wildness, a madman in a four-horse chariot, but also their manly tenderness to the wounded. Bracing the captain, arm around his waist, he helped him towards his shelter. A young man dies in Sydney, sick and isolating at home. He suddenly got worse, and then he died. The Delta variant has got away. I heard that people have turned up at emergency, 
with dead bodies in their cars. As the world closes in on itself, the simplest acts grow mythic. A woman reports shifting a tree in her garden that was not thriving. I used a mattock. I lifted it above my head. The dirt fell all over me. A nurse in ICU sets up a laptop for a woman to hear her grandchildren singing to her while she dies. An Olympic diver on the high platform turns her back on the abyss, places her palms beside her feet and unfolds with terrifying slowness into a perfect, motionless handstand. She would come and mend all that was miss. Who is she? And where is she? And when is she coming? You can read Helen Garner's piece in the latest issue of The Monthly.